churches and uh, the preaching of God's Word. We have uh, two Old Testament scripture passages. One is Exodus chapter 20. Once again, we're in the uh, exposition of the law of God in the catechism right now. And Exodus chapter 20 is that famous uh, exposition of, uh, or famous reading of the Ten Commandments. And we're looking at the fourth commandment tonight. So as I read this, consider the fourth commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land your Lord, your, the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. We're also going to be looking at that second reading of God's law in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, as the uh, people of God were about to enter into the promised land, Moses gave them the Ten Commandments again. And an interesting difference between Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5 is found in the fourth commandment. Exodus chapter 20 roots the fourth commandment in creation. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested. Therefore, the Lord separated the Sabbath day and he made it holy. But if you read the uh, reading of the fourth commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 5, this is what it says. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do, uh, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox or your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. We're also going to be looking at Psalm chapter 95. Psalm 95. Psalm 95 speaks of the rest of God. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is great, is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, 
as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. We're also going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, which quotes from Psalm 95, speaking as to a rest that still belongs to the people of God and the new administration of the covenant of grace. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed into that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would then have spoken about later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thus far, the reading of God's word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. We're looking at Lord's Day 38 in the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 38 in the Heidelberg Catechism is the Heidelberg Catechism's exposition of the fourth commandment. Question 103 says, what is God's will for us in the fourth commandment? The answer is first, that the gospel ministry and education for it be maintained, and that especially on the festive day of rest, I regularly attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to God publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways, let the Lord work in me through his spirit, and so begin already in this life the eternal Sabbath. That's the teaching of the catechism. There's a man named A.J. Swoboda who wrote a book called Subversive Sabbath, The Surprising Power of Rest in a Nonstop World. And this is what he says in that book. Sabbath is that ancient idea and practice of intentional rest. That has long been discarded by much of the church in our world. Sabbath is not new. Sabbath is just new to us. Historically, Christians have kept some form or another of the Sabbath for some 2,000 years. 
but it has largely been forgotten by the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed West. The result? Our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as vital elements of Christian discipleship. It is not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. We have come to know Jesus only as the Lord of the harvest, forgetting he is the Lord of the Sabbath as well. Sabbath forgetfulness is driven so often in the name of doing stuff for God rather than being with God. We are too busy working for him. This is only made more difficult by the fact that the Western church is increasingly experiencing displacement and marginalization in a post-Christian secular society. In that, we have all the more bought into the notion that ministering on overdrive will resolve the crisis. Sabbath is assumed to be the culprit of a shrinking church. So, time, poverty, and burnout have become the signs that the minority church remains serious about God in a world that has rejected Him. Because we pastors rarely practice Sabbath, we rarely preach the Sabbath. And because we do not preach the Sabbath, our congregations are not challenged to take it seriously themselves. The result of our Sabbath amnesia is that we have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. AJ is saying that the church in its current context has Sabbath amnesia, has forgotten the practice of resting in the Lord. I've taken one day out of six to be with the Lord. And so tonight I want to talk about that. I want to try to help us with our Sabbath amnesia. Our theme tonight is simple. Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord of the Sabbath. That statement, the Lord of the Sabbath comes from the Gospels and Jesus is encountering the Jews and his disciples are picking grains and they come and they criticize him for not practicing the, uh, the practices of the Sabbath that the Jews, the religious leaders had instituted. And Jesus said to them, um, man was not created for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was created for man and the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So that's what I'm talking about here, rest in the Lord of the Sabbath simply means to rest in Christ. And hopefully, by the time we're done tonight, you will understand what I'm talking about. A weekly rest, a spiritual rest, an eternal rest. That's our three points tonight. A weekly rest, a spiritual rest, an eternal rest. Let's look at this first point. Listen to what the first part of the answer to the uh, Heidelberg Catechism's question, what is God's will for us in the fourth commandment, sounds like. First, that the gospel ministry and education for it be maintained... And that especially on the festive day of rest, I regularly attend the assembly of God's people. So, attend 
church. To learn what God's word teaches, listen to preaching. Take the sacraments, right? Participate in the sacraments, prayer, and offering. And to bring Christian offerings for the poor. So the first part of the answer to uh, the the catechism's understanding of of, uh, the fourth commandment is a weekly rest that looks like attending church to listen to the preaching, to, to, to participate in the sacraments, to bring our prayers before God, and to provide offerings. And included in this um, is the maintenance, the maintenance of ministry, which the catechism says, education for it. So what it's talking about here is um, seminaries. Uh, The importance of continuing education, providing education, so that ministers, ministers can be ordained to do these things. Uh, Preaching, sacraments, prayer, so forth. So... uh, When we say a weekly rest, according to the catechism, we're talking about that one day in seven, which has historically become Sunday, what we call the Lord's Day in our tradition. But what you interestingly should know is not called the Sabbath. It's not called the Sabbath They're called the festive day of rest. The festive day of rest. And the reasoning behind not calling it the Sabbath is historical. The the practice of Sabbath keeping and the way that it was understood to take place in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant administration, we in the Calvinistic Um, interpretation of things, Calvinistic tradition, see that as abrogated, has something that has passed on, but there are elements of the fourth commandment which still remain, and one of those remaining elements is that it's, it's, it's important for us to gather together as the people of God and to practice, um, worship as part of our day of rest, our festive day of rest, Preaching, sacraments, prayer, offering. Now, I would make the argument that it's not only uh, prudent that we do it on Sunday, but there is enough uh, scriptures in the, Old Te- in the New Testament that point to that first day of the week being significant because it is the day of the week in which Jesus, was ra- uh, Jesus ra- rose from the dead. So, um, Sunday is the day that we call the festive day of rest. We don't call it a Sabbath because the, uh, the, 
the legalization, the, the law-keeping nature of it has dissipated, and now we focus upon the gratitude, thankfulness nature of it. What does it mean to listen to the preaching of God's Word? What does it mean to participate in the sacraments? What does it mean to lift up prayers? What does it mean to, to give offerings? It means to express our thankfulness, our gratitude for what the Lord has done for us in Jesus Christ in our weekly rest, attend church. And this weekly rest is not only um, rooted in the, the idea that the people of God should gather for worship, but it's also rooted in creation itself. Now, as I was doing some studying for this sermon, I found that a while back in the history of the French nation, there was an attempt to change the calendar from a seven-day calendar to a 10-day calendar where you worked nine days and you had one day off. And this was an idea that, we, that people thought would increase productivity, would increase um, the way that we could accomplish things and get things done. But what they found was that all the calendars, once they were changed to 10-day weeks, nine out of the 10 days you work, one day you get off, the people started committing suicide. They were higher rates of depression. So it didn't work. It backfired. And that's what Exodus 20 is talking about when it talks about a weekly rest. It roots it in creation. It says, because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested. So there is something even very down to our very nature and the very reality of creation itself where we are called to work six days and rest a day. Work six days and rest a day. And when we don't do that, there is death that happens from not doing that. There is a downgrade. There is the law of thermodynamics. Something is decaying. It's going away because we're not resting that one in seven days. Every six days, we're not taking that day of rest. But in our New Covenant understanding, this rest focuses upon the gathering together of the saints for worship. On the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, what we call the festive day of rest. So if you want to express your gratitude, your thankfulness for, for your salvation in obedience to the first or the fourth commandment, you do that by faithfully attending Lord's Day worship on Sunday. But we continue. It's also a spiritual rest. And this is what I want us to focus on when we look at the spiritual rest. It's that connection between Psalm uh, 95 and Hebrews chapter 4. When Hebrews chapter 4 says there's a rest that remains... For the people of God. It's saying that when God said in Psalm 95. They shall not enter my rest. Well God wasn't your rest. The seventh day of creation. The, the day that you rested. You've completed your work. Why are you saying that there's a rest. That they cannot enter. Because they did not. Uh, they did not have faith. 
right? These were the people who came out of Israel who wandered in the desert for 40 years because they were hard-hearted, because they did not believe, because even though they saw all these great wonders and the power that God had and his righteousness and his justice and his wrath and his mercy and his grace, they did not mingle that with their faith. That's what it says, Hebrews chapter 4. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. They heard the gospel too. Those generations who did not enter into the promised land, the rest that God had provided for them because they did not have faith. Was this rest that God is talking about, the Sabbath rest, of the Old Testament, that's that seventh day, Sabbath? Or is it something more than that? And that's why Hebrews investigates Psalm 95. Now we who have believed enter that rest. So what Hebrews chapter 4 is saying, the author of Hebrews is saying is if, if we have faith, that equals that we have entered That rest, that Sabbath, just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest and those who formerly had had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience, because they did not have faith. Therefore, God again set a certain day calling it today. That the way we enter into this rest is not specific to the, the Lord's day, the first day of the week, as we discussed in the first point, a weekly rest, right? But this today is, is, is if you believe upon Jesus Christ and his perfect work, you can enter into that rest immediately. Don't harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. What day is he talking about? He's saying, he's saying, Looks like it, yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, you're all right. He's saying that if Joshua entering into the promised land, emptying out all of those Canaanite people, having rest on every side, if, they, if that had been the rest that God was talking about, then there wouldn't have been a later day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. And how do we do that? We let the word of God do its work in us and show us our need of faith in Jesus Christ. That's why right after this section of the fourth, uh, fourth chapter of Hebrews, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. 
Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Today is the day of Jesus Christ. Today is the day that if you believe upon him, you can enter into that spiritual rest. That spiritual rest. And that's what the catechism is talking about when it says, what is God's will for us in the fourth commandment? Second, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work in me through his spirit and so begin already in this life. I rest from my evil ways and let the Lord work in me through his spirit because we're resting because Jesus has died for our evil ways. We're resting because the spirit of God is at work in us, conforming us, changing us, transforming us. That's a spiritual rest, right? But there's one more element in our catechism and one more element concerning this rest that we need to talk about. And that's the eternal nature of this rest. An eternal nature. What does it say? Every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work in me through his spirit. And so begin already in this life the eternal Sabbath. What is the catechism writer talking about here? Well, that spiritual rest that we enter into because of Jesus Christ, the rest in the Lord of the Sabbath that we have, we don't have it simply limited to one day a week, right? There is a special character to the, the Lord's day, but we also have access to that rest, rest from our sinful ways, rest in letting the Holy Spirit work in us, uh, access to that, you know, every day, today. That's what that means, every day. But we also look forward... To what that first Sabbath pointed to. That God made the world, heavens and the earth in six days and on the seventh day he rested from his work. Does God need a rest? Does God get tired? Did God stop doing things on that seventh day? No, he was pointing towards a greater reality. And so this went forward and uh, that, that seventh day, right? Creation. And then it became fourth commandment. And then it became Lord's Day. And then it also points to rest in Christ, spiritual rest in Christ. But this spiritual rest in Christ has its fulfillment, has its fulfillment, its completion. Eternity. Where we will finally rest from all our labors, all our evil ways, and the work of the Spirit of the Lord will be completed in us. And so begin already in this life as we strive that to, to, to enter into that rest by faith to enter the eternal Sabbath. 
For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That's the rest that we participate here on the Lord's Day and the rest that we, the rest that we participate in spiritually as we rest in Christ from our evil ways and the Spirit of God works in, that, in us has its ultimate fulfillment, is pointing forward to that eternal rest of the new Jerusalem, of the new heavens and the new earth. And so in the meantime... Our encouragement is, don't forsake, don't forsake the Lord's day. Gathering with God's people. Don't forsake resting in Christ spiritually. And always look forward to the hope of that eternal rest. We should not lose the practice of resting in the Lord of the Sabbath. Resting in him. It's just what A.J. Swoboda said. It's not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. We have come to know Jesus only as the Lord of the harvest. Forgetting he is the Lord of the Sabbath as well. Sabbath forgetfulness is driven so often in the name of doing stuff for God rather than being with God. We're too busy working for him. So, are you learning how to sit with God? Do you know Jesus as the Lord of the harvest and the Lord of the Sabbath? Are you more focused on doing stuff for God rather than being with God? Are you too busy working for him that you can't just be with him? Sabbath is not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's about freedom. That's what Deuteronomy chapter 5 is saying. The Sabbath is about the freedom that God gives us to be in his presence. to have him, to sit with him, to be with him. God has given us that. Not only in our union that we have with Christ and access to him, that we can rest spiritually from all our evil ways and the Holy Spirit works in us day in and day out, calling us to, to let go of our own strength and rely upon him. Not only has he given us that in the Lord's day, a day which is set aside for us to gather and worship, but he's given us the great gift of eternal rest with him that we will enter one day as we already now anticipated today. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to rest in Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath. Every day of the week and on the Lord's day. Help us, Lord, to anticipate that eternal day of rest 
that awaits us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I leave you with a closing benediction. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great week.